Please find your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Thank you, worship team. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, part 2 is today of uh, the message series that we're in, Afterlife. How many know there's a life after death? You need to believe in the Word of God. You're not just created for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever you live in this existence. There is an afterlife. There is something after this. How many want to make heaven your home? There's two choices, and you're making it right now in this life. There's two choices. I want to live eternity in heaven. When I was writing these notes earlier this week, I was just thinking about eternity and what heaven is going to be like and, and being able to be there, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. And not just for this existence, but for all of eternity. Everybody say eternity. eternity. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9, this is a powerful passage that reminds us there is an afterlife. And it says, it is appointed unto men once to die. So most everyone, unless the Lord comes by the rapture, will face death. And there is an appointment with death. And it says, after this, what happens? Everybody say the judgment. How many understand that we got to give an account for how we live this life? I'm going to say that one more time. We have to give an account for how we're going to live this life. And there's only one way to get to heaven. If heaven is your eternity, you can be seated. Eternity is a sure thing. It's pointed out right there. It doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. There is going to be an eternity after this life. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And every one of us are one blink away. One blink. I am here as a pastor, as a Pentecostal pastor, to remind every person online, and I hope you'll share the service again because I want your family and friends to hear this message, that there is an afterlife, and we've got to prepare for that afterlife in this life. That means it's important how we live our lives, amen? Number one, you've got to be born again. Everybody say born again. You've got to accept Jesus in your life. You've got to become a follower of Jesus. You can't do something else. You can't follow something else. We got to follow Jesus. And we got to fulfill his plan for our life. That every one of us, God has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. And we're to live on task. That when you come to Christ, you become what I like to call driven for eternity. It's about living for eternity. Why did so many, many, many people serve this week? Because they're driven for eternity. Why did a church pick up and do all that we did this week and believe in it? Because God blesses this church for being connected, even though you didn't, may not have served this week. We had so many people giving and, and doing and praying. And if you're a part of a cause like that, a part of God's vision, you're going to get the blessing. You're going to get the overflow of that. Amen? And so we have to be, every day we've got to look for ways to serve. We've got to look for ways to give. You can't sit back and point out, well, there's a flaw there, there's a flaw there, uh, this is not going good. Uh, that's not what God's looking for in your life. Amen? That's not going to look good at the judgment. I'll say that again. If all you do is fault find and point out the flaws and the, where it's not going good, that's not going to look good on the day of your judgment. Amen? 
hope beyond death. Death does not end it. There is an afterlife. And I'm living for the afterlife, amen? I am here to remind each and every one of us that we have a rendezvous with heaven. We have a rendezvous with Jesus, an appointment with Jesus. And this is exactly what is pointed out so many places in the Word of God. There is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man went to hell. Lazarus the beggar went to Abraham's bosom. But listen, I want to make this quite clear. The rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. He wasn't righteous. He wasn't serving God. It matters that we serve God. Amen? It matters. It matters that our heart is right. And that then our lives are driven by eternity. Say yabba dabba do. <laughs> I don't know where that came in. <laughs> I just looked at my wife and she said... <laughs> But it was different than saying amen. <laughs> Hell is very real. Heaven is very real. I want to be ready for heaven. And I want my eternity to look really good. I want my eternity to be very blessed. I want in eternity, since it's not 70, 80, 90, 120. You know, Genesis 6 says you get 120 years. Some of you need to go back to Genesis 6, start claiming 120. The only place where God ever spoke and gave a decree of how long man's existence would be, after all had taken place in the first chapters of Genesis, in Genesis 6, he said, a man's years on earth shall be 120 years. Why don't we claim that this morning right now? Lift a hand if you claim that, amen? Amen, longer life. So we can do more of what? For Jesus or for ourselves? It is appointed unto men once to die. Life is a vapor. That's why it's important, whatever your existence in this life, that you stay rooted, you stay planted. A man sent me a picture this morning of 74 blooms on a plant that he has in his backyard that bloomed out this morning. 74 trumpets. I thought, well, Lord, let that trumpet sound today. Hallelujah. Let that trumpet sound today. And it was gorgeous. But what would happen if a, a sower or a planter went out and pulled the plant up? Those, those trumpet blooms or whatever was on the plant, it would die. It's important. People get planted. They start blooming. They start producing. And then they let the devil pick them up, root them up. And they stop the whole process of life for eternity that they had in place that they were doing good for the kingdom of God. And you got to quit chasing idols in this life. Amen. The devil will put things in our lives, in our place. And that's why I've enjoyed reading Ezekiel so much right now and studying because the people had allowed idols to come into their life and disconnect them from the worship of God. The devil will put things in your way, in your pathway, and he will try to disconnect you from your worship of God. When if, you, if you're a creature created for eternity, your highest purpose is to make heaven your home and to live in the next life in eternity, blessed all of eternity. Amen? And reaping the benefits of having lived, planted and rooted and producing much fruit. And the rich man went to hell. The beggar, Lazarus, he was, he was 
in difficulty in this life, but he didn't go to heaven and he didn't go to Abraham's bosom because of, of just his circumstances, his physical circumstances. He had a righteous heart. And friends, your heart matters. Every one of us have got to have Jesus in our heart. Our service to Jesus comes out of our heart for Jesus. Amen? If I really love Jesus, if I really love and believe in him and believe in the afterlife, then you can't help but find a place to serve, find a place to do, be a part of prayer and, and intercession, reaching our world for Jesus. Amen? Hell was such a place of reality that the rich man didn't want his brothers to go there. And he played, prayed to Father Abraham. I want everyone to jump over real quickly to Psalm 15. Real quickly. Psalm 15. I'm going to show you who is going to make it to heaven. This is a short five-verse psalm. Everybody say psalm. A short five-verse psalm that says who is going to be in heaven. And it's very clear. And this is very powerful. I was reading this this week in my devotion, and I said, oh, because I want to abide in the tabernacle. I want to dwell in the holy hill of God. That's heaven. That's where I want to end up for all of eternity. Okay, who's going, who's going to abide there? Look at verse 2. He that walks uprightly and works righteously and speaketh the truth in his heart. So right up front, you got to walk uprightly. Amen. Amen. Walk uprightly. Speak the truth in your heart. Work righteousness. Listen, righteousness is so important if you want to make heaven your home. Righteous means righteous living, living godly. There are some things you can't do and live righteously. There are some places you can't go and be a righteous person. You're not going to line up with verse 2. You will not make heaven your home. Righteousness is living right before God. I don't have to give you a list of do's and don'ts. I had one of the men in the service right now come to me when he got born again. He said, what can I do and not do? And he brought me a list of things. I said, put that aside. I'm not going to tell you. I said, you get in this book. Let God tell you. God will tell you what's right and wrong. I'm, I'm going to say it one more time. God will tell every one of us what's right and what's wrong. And you live by this book. This book is our rule for faith and practice. Pastor's preaching real good right now. And so we got to live righteously, verse 2 says. Live uprightly. That's so important. If you plan to make eternity on the hill of God, in the presence of God. Now I like verse 3. 2. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. You got to keep your mouth shut rather than talking about people, rather than gossiping about people. If you're a backbiter, God's word right here says you will not make it to heaven. If you're a gossiper, you will not make it to heaven. That's verse 3. You will not abide in the holy hill of God for all of eternity. And so it's better to zip it than lose your eternity over it. Oh, I'm preaching real good right now. Actually, not me. The Word of God's preaching it. And verse 3 says, If you backbite with your tongue, or you do evil to your neighbor, what are we supposed to do to our neighbor? Everybody say, love our neighbor. Be a good Samaritan to our neighbor. Who is the neighbor that Jesus celebrated? It was the good Samaritan. 
This church is a good Samaritan church. And we go out and we serve and we love and we help our community and we help our local to global. But we get it because we're going to stand before God one day. And we can't backbite our neighbor. We can't talk about our neighbor. Zip it. Don't lose your eternity over it. I'm trying to be sweet. I'm trying to say it sweet. Don't take up, look at what verse 3 says. Don't take up a reproach against your neighbor. There's been many a person that's been hurt and offended. Pastor Jordan a few weeks ago preached about offenses. Actually, I think that was my wife that preached about offenses. That was a powerful message on the blood of Jesus. How many have ever been offended? Do you know that is illegal in the Word of God? There are seven things listed in the book of Proverbs that God says, I hate and abhor. If God hates some things that strongly to put it in there, I think I'd give myself to find those in the book of Proverbs and never cross God over those things. You better speak the truth. Be a person of the truth. Come on, everybody say truth. You know, I believe that one of the great deceptions of the last days, and I want everyone to hear this, and I want everyone online to put it in the chat. Truth is so important. Truth is important. The Bible says in the last days, people will believe a lie and be damned. There are so many lies, so many strange things floating around and being told and, and, and things that are crazy. There's crazy stuff out there that people are just gulping and just embracing. Listen. Be a person of the truth. Always embrace the truth. My Bible says the truth. I can't hear you. My Bible says the truth shall set people free. Believing a lie is only going to bind you up. Now I want everybody to go to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4. Everyone. Everyone online. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So here we are in time. Here we are in October 2021. We've seen a, a lot of death over the last two years. A lot of people go into eternity. And we weren't, you know, as a pastor, I've been to so many funerals over the last two years. Listen, I want you to know that I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Amen? How many are looking for Jesus Christ? And that's where I want to take you right now. I'm looking for heaven. I'm looking for Jesus. Amen? We've been to so many funerals, and you wonder about the eternal state of the person because nobody knows that but God. And I would never, I don't ever, even when there's all kinds of circumstances, I don't ever assign anybody anywhere. I'm not their judge and will not put myself in the place of being a judge. I leave that to the grace and mercy we were singing about. And I'm thankful God's a God of grace and mercy. Amen. But for rewards, you better stay planted. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Have you found it? But I would not have you to be ignorant. Paul says, I don't want any Christian ignorant, any person ignorant, concerning those that have fallen asleep. These were people that had fallen asleep in Christ. If you've got a family member, a loved one that's fallen asleep in Christ, you need, your ears need to perk up here and you need to hear what Paul is saying. That you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. 
What Paul is saying is that we have hope. This few years doesn't even compare to eternity. And we're going to be in eternity for a long time. And if heaven is your eternity, that's going to be a great place for a long time. Hallelujah. I'll say hallelujah. Don't be like a person without hope. How many have had a loved one pass away in the last 10 years? You'll raise your hand. Uh, that's a lot of people. A lot of people. I want you to know if they're with Christ, they're in a good place. I'll say that one more time. If they're with Christ, they're in a good place. And Paul is talking about this. As believers, let me share a thought on eschatology, and that's the coming of the Lord, the end time events. What we are looking for is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church could take place at any moment. There is nothing that has to happen before Jesus comes back. I believe that every sign has been fulfilled. Everything that needs to happen has been fulfilled. We are certainly living in, in perplexing times, as Paul talks about in Timothy. And propel, uh, uh, I forget the word in the Greek. I was trying to look for the Greek word there. But uh, he's in, in uh, hazardous times. And, uh, and we look at the signs and we realize something's happening. But I can promise you, you don't want to be here during the tribulation. If you think this is bad, this is a Sunday school picnic right now. I'll say that one more time. This is a Sunday school picnic compared to what the tribulation is going to be. You better make sure you're ready for the rapture of the church. There is no sign that's got to be completed. No other dots. We're ready for the coming of the Lord. And then there's going to be seven years of tribulation unlike anything this world has ever seen. In fact, the people will be praying during the tribulation, look it up, for rocks to fall on them and kill them. They want to die. They don't want to live. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to live right now. We're trying everything we can do to live, amen? Hallelujah. And so Paul says, I want the worship team to come back. Verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them that which are asleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. The dead in Christ are coming back with Jesus. They're going to have a vantage seat. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're talking about the best seat in the house. They're coming back with the Lord. Amen. They're going to see the graves open. You remember what happened when Jesus rose from the dead in Jerusalem? Graves started popping open all over Jerusalem. As I was studying that passage recently, they said they'd have no clue how many people actually came out of the grave at the resurrection of Jesus. But I want you to know every grave around this nation and this world, every person that has fallen asleep in Jesus, they're coming out of that grave and they're going to meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm here to comfort you this morning that there's something better that's awaiting us. And loved ones who have fallen asleep, they're already in a better state. Already in a better state. You're trying to bring them back and they say, leave me here. I'm here for eternity. Hallelujah. 
For the Lord shall descend with a shout from heaven. I don't know what that shout's going to be. I do believe a shofar is going to be used. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody to go to John chapter 14, and I want to conclu conclude with this passage. John 14. Is your name in the book? Is your name in the book? Friend, loved one, person watching online, Jesus is coming soon. It matters where you spend eternity. I told the staff this morning for the early service, the pastoral staff, I said every day we need to be driven for eternity. It's about eternity. If you get up in the morning, you need to think about eternity. When you open your eyes, my wife and I have a little agenda that we do when we first open our eyes every morning. And go ahead and stand with me. Number one, we greet God. Thank you, God, for a new day. Why don't you just lift your hands and thank him for a new day. It's his day. Amen. Well, there's some verses that we quote, some things that we say to our Father. So thankful to be alive for another day. Amen. But I'm here driven by eternity that there's souls to be saved. I can't let my ear be a garbage can. Listen, the devil will always drop garbage in your ear if you've got a listening ear. That's why those children of Israel died. A whole generation died in the wilderness. They had seen the miracles of God, but they listened. I can take you through the murmuring, the complaining, everything that was said. I did a, a sermon series one time about all that they did in, in their 40 years. And God caught he listened, he heard, it says it, God heard every bit of it. And when you murmur, when you complain, when you put God down and say, you can't take me in, those giants are too big, I want you to know there's no giant too big for God. I'm preaching the second part of that series this Wednesday night. He takes down our Goliaths. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. John chapter 14, real quick. Worship team, come on. Verse one says, let not your heart be troubled. I've come in here this morning to encourage some hearts that may be heavy. I know what the season has looked like. But I know he who breathes peace, he who gives strength, he who is the help of our life. You believe in God, believe also in me. How many believe in God? How many believe in Jesus? He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I want you to know that anything that Jesus has gone and prepared for you is so much better than anything you have right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Things you, you have down here, they're going to rust. I had to have Reggie come last week fix something on my car. It was already starting to rust. Get off of my stuff. Hallelujah. 
There's many mansions, and they won't rust. If it were not true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Hallelujah. In the book of Revelation, it says, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need more preaching in the church about heaven. We need more preaching in the church about eternity. We need more preaching in the church about the blood of Jesus and the salvation of Jesus. Getting people ready for heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the way. There's only one way to the Father. I am the truth. I am the life. Get into Jesus. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. That's why I want you to fall in love with Jesus. Because the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you're going to know his Father. Because what you see Jesus do, he was doing what his Father did. So all the people that he healed, what do you think his Father was doing? <laughs> what was the Father doing in the Old Testament? Time to, time to bring people out of Egyptian bondage and get them in the promised land. What do you think Jesus is trying to do? Get them in the way, the truth, the life. Hallelujah. John 14, I, I'd encourage you to go home this afternoon. After you get a good lunch, a good Sunday nap, open John 14. John 14 is packed with such good, good stuff. I was rereading it again this morning. He that believeth on me, the works that I do also, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Who did he say that to? Get out there this week and do his works and make them bigger and better. Not by your ability, but by his ability working through our life. And that's the Holy Ghost, amen? That's why the church needs the Holy Ghost. We need the infilling of the Spirit. I'll say hallelujah. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see me because I live. Here's verse 27. I was trying to find it because there's so many good verses in this. It says, peace I leave unto you. My peace I leave unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you're here this morning and you do not have the peace of God, it is couple minutes after 12 the way you do that is you ask Jesus to come in and you start living big for Jesus stay on task every day stay mission driven driven for eternity don't lose don't let idols come in there the devil will slip some idols in there he'll slip some bad talk in your ear stay mission driven purpose driven amen hallelujah hallelujah every head bowed and every eye closed everyone online and everyone in this sanctuary if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior it's time to make him Lord not just something you believe in a person you believe in you hope in but make him Lord 
And that's a different place. Because your whole mission in life will change if he's Lord. Your whole view of what's right and what's wrong, purpose-driven living, missional living, family members that are not saved, world around us, the Great Commission goes from being a great statement. If you, if you really made Jesus your Lord and Savior, it becomes a great commission to you. And every day you go out into your world to try to make a difference. My wife and I have been married 44 years. And uh, as long as we've been married, we try to live very missional, knowing that we're dealing with eternal souls. I deal with eternal souls everywhere I go. Eternal souls. And I got to get people ready for eternity. And that's a serious charge. I look at all the, you know, life's got a lot of great things. I try to enjoy a lot. But with it all, I stay missional. I stay purpose-driven. I stay driven by eternity that there's a heaven to gain and a hell that we don't want to go to. I don't want people to go to. If you're here this morning and you've not given Jesus your life and your, your, the totality of your being, that's why nothing I have belongs to me. It's all going to burn up one day. People hold on to their money, say, this is mine. No, it's not yours. You can lose that very quick. Very quick very quick and when you stand before God in the judgment it matters I want to lead this congregation in prayer a closer walk with Christ dear Jesus come on I want everybody to repeat this dear Jesus I believe that you are the way the truth and the life help me to live by your word help me to be a word person and to have you at the center of my life Help me to stay on mission. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me to be an ambassador for you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in this church. But at 17 years of age, I knelt in my bedroom. And I said, Lord, I've been saved all my life. But at 17, I knelt by my bed and I said, this is for real. I know you have a call on my life. I want to live for eternity. I want to help people make eternity heaven. And begin to live that way at 17. That my life has got to make a difference in the lives of people. Amen? And we got to help people get ready. I've got to stand before God one day and I want to hear well done without good and faithful servant. I want to get rewards that I'm going to enjoy for all of eternity. All of eternity. Everybody say eternity. And that is amassed today in this life. I want to ask you in closing, what are you doing for Jesus right now? He revealed a couple of things that were his passion. Number one, he said, I love my church. I love my church. And so he built his church. I've had a life goal to help build, help Jesus build his church. Because I believe in the local church. I believe the church is an expression of the body of Christ. And what we did this week showed it to a world, a lost world. So 
I, every day I do my best to help build his church. Number two, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. And that's a passion of mine. I am passionate about seeing people come to Jesus. People can leave a place where they don't connect with the passion. They can leave a place if they lose their passion for souls. And it was a soul-saving station. Stay connected to Jesus and you won't lose your passion for souls. You want to you check your temperature, spiritual temperature? See what your burden for souls is. That'll tell you how close to Jesus you are. That's your spiritual barometer right there. If you have the two passions of Jesus, his church and his souls, because he loved them both. Amen. I want to help him with them. Amen. How many want to help Jesus with his mission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we need the unfilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The church has tried to do it all in our own strength, and I've learned that we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Why don't you lift your hands and let's just ask for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on, just ask the Holy Spirit to touch your life afresh and anew. Ask, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to close. We're going to sing one song. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face. And then I want to read the priestly blessing. You know I believe in this. I believe strongly in this. So let me read that over you, but let's sing this together. What day thou will be when my Jesus I shall see
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to read the priestly blessing. And our visitors, please go out to the desk. If you're a first-time visitor today, we want to provide lunch for you. We want to bless you. And uh, that comes from Jesus. Amen. He sets a good table. He fed the people. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want you back tonight at 6 o'clock. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be a powerful service. All right, lift your hands. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise shall you bless the children of Israel who are grafted in through Jesus, by saying unto them, The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee, and the Lord make his face to shine upon thee. And the Lord be gracious unto thee. Lord, be gracious over our church family. Be very gracious to them this week. The Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. I speak his shalom over you in his name. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. That means everywhere you can, put God's name all over your family. Everywhere you can insert God's name, let it be there. Because God says if you do that, if you put my name, we were singing about the names of God. If you'll put my name there, I'll bless. He blesses where his name is. God bless you. We love our church family. Amen. We love a lost world. Amen.